This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of the Sentinel Fort in Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Impeachment hearings continued today, basically another parade of nonpartisan bureaucrats who all reacted the same way to Trump's foreign policy in Ukraine, which was basically, what the fuck's going on here? Again, the hearings tend to stray into who care territory for the average person. We're talking about lethal aid to Ukraine in a proxy war against Russia and whether or not Trump withheld that aid for political benefit, which it seems pretty clear he did, but it's pretty obvious to the average person who maybe like doesn't have health care or whatever that maybe this isn't the most impactful issue to focus on and that the narrow focus could have been a huge mistake in this impeachment. This was Pelosi's slam dunk. This, this was her, oh, this is such an easy case to make, which was obviously bullshit at the time. It was an excuse for her only being motivated to impeach by A, her concerns for Joe Biden and his stupid fucking son, yeah. and B, U.S., scare quotes geopolitical concerns aka yeah. imperial concerns yeah i'm sure the people cheering the fucking fascist christian evangelicals in bolivia are so concerned with democracy and foreign interference and a sovereign nation as they as they say they are with russia and ukraine or whatever yeah look i think what trump did here is definitely impeachable there's just so many other things that are more compelling that he should be impeached on or could be impeached on, and also should be impeached on. Anyways, if you want to know more about the hearings, you can literally turn to any other news channel right now and get all the coverage you want, except maybe Fox News, which <laughs> I saw someone tweet that in the middle of the impeachment stuff, like their top story on foxnews.com was about the uh, Sonic movie edits. Anyways, now for I, the... I haven't been following that story. This is the real big news of the day. Epstein prison guards arrested two guards who were on duty that night, charged with watching over Epstein. They were arrested because, according to the indictment here, they didn't do any of the watches. They did certify that they made the rounds, but didn't actually do the rounds as... Video showed that they just sat at their desks for most of the time surfing the internet, literally 15 feet away from Epstein's uh, jail cell. I mean, my big question is, like, it's pretty easy to go back and look at old tape to see if these prison guards just always slacked off, like they never did the work, they were constantly forging the certifications, and spent their whole night napping or on the computer instead of just checking on the inmates like they were supposed to do. Or if they just decided to slack off that night. Seems like it'd be pretty easy to figure that out. Or maybe we'll end up with two more prison suicides. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then we'll be having another indictment, uh, I don't know, three months from now about the prison guards who sat there and surfed the web as the Epstein prison guards mysteriously committed suicide in prison. 
the Epstein issue was brought up during a Senate hearing today featuring Federal Bureau of Prisons Director Kathleen Sawyer. Here was Senator John Neely Kennedy, a fixture on this show for saying dumb stuff. We're constantly playing Kennedy's clips. But here he was correctly pointing out the need for the truth to come out about Epstein. How can I put this? Christmas ornaments, drywall, and Jerry Epstein. <laughs> that's one way Name to put it. Name three things that don't hang themselves. It's, that's what the American people think. That's what the American people think. And they deserve some answers. Did he say Jeremy Epstein or Jerry you're Epstein? you're not in charge of these investigations. Yes, sir. But you talk to the people who are. And, and I need you to take a very respectful message today. Um, tell the American people what happened. And, and don't, don't rush it so that they don't do a thorough investigation. But you and I both know they can make this a, a top priority and get it done more quickly than they normally would. They need to do that. And I'd like you to deliver that message. I agree with you, sir, but I have no control. I mean, I, I can pass along the message, but the FBI and the Inspector General's office work on their own time frame. And, but I will definitely give them their message because I want the investigations completed as soon as possible, too, so that we can act. I have a feeling you know how to be firm. A little bit. Okay, thank you. I appreciate the senator's sentiments here, though he did apparently spend all night trying to think of the weirdest, most roundabout way to bring up the topic of whether or not Jerry Epstein <laughs> hung himself. Yeah, what, what, what should I make a folksy joke about today, I ask myself, uh, as I question the federal bureau of prisons head about the mysterious death of the Most very well-connected child abuser prisoner in their custody it was connected to both fucking high-ranking figures in both major parties in washington it's tuesday november 11th 2019 here's the news Congressional leaders have agreed to another short-term funding bill. The federal government runs out of money on Thursday after the expiration of the last stopgap measure, which was passed in September. The House is set to take up the funding bill today to avert a partial government shutdown. One point of contention, Democrats wanted to restore federal funding for historically black colleges and universities. A congressionally funded program granting money to HBCUs expired last year. Speaker Nancy Pelosi put the blame on Senate Republicans, calling their move, quote, disappointing and deeply shameful, according to Politico. Richard Shelby, Senate Appropriations Committee chair, replied by claiming, quote, my preference is always a clean CR and clean appropriations, meaning extending the funding levels in the last short term funding bill. CR, of course, refers to continuing resolution. But the CR that passed out of the House Rules Committee last night isn't exactly clean. It gives money to the Commerce Department to prep for the 2020 census, a pay raise for people in the military, money for community health centers, funding for other patchwork health care programs that definitely aren't nearly as good as single payer would be. But, you know, they still help a little. And other policy priorities of Congress were also included in the CR, including a state-administered highway program, money for that. Most notably, however, isn't the extension of any kind of funding per se, but rather the extension of 
post-9-11 police state powers in the Patriot Act. Oh, great. <laughs> the authorities are set to expire next month. Congressional leaders want to extend them until March and get that done with this week. The extension was highlighted last night by Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. Omar, quote, tweeted activist Evan Greer sounding the alarm about the extension. The lawmaker said, yeah, no, count me out. AOC also said something similar, that she will not be supporting that. I saw a headline today that they had scheduled hearings, congressional hearings, into to look into surveillance abuses. You can hear from like the Department of Justice Inspector General, various officials in the intelligence community, to investigate surveillance abuses. But before that, they're going to just give a clean extension here. Well, the good news is at least the extension is only like three months. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but true. Still, that classic shitty Washington trick of uh, of tacking something on to to some uh, multi layered piece of legislation, et cetera, et cetera, because that's how you got to ram it through. The Department of Justice Inspector General knocked the FBI for its handling of confidential human sources. The IG found four deficiencies in the program. First, the FBI is not properly vetting their sources in accordance with federal guidelines. Second, a DOJ review committee tasked with vetting the FBI's confidential human sources had not done so in a timely manner. As a result, human sources were allowed to keep operating after evidence was discovered that should have disqualified them. In one case, it was revealed that one source was a child sex offender. I, for one, am shocked that the caliber of FBI snitches appears to be uh, less than uh, upstanding. Yeah. One of the biggest concerns laid out in the report is the Bureau's improper management of their long-term human sources. For example, there's no mechanism that prevents the same agent from handling a source for more than five years, which could lead to risks of overly familiar and non-objective relationships between agents and their sources. The report actually cites what happened with FBI informant Whitey Bulger when one of his handlers, who he had become friends with over the years, actually tipped him off about his looming arrest, leading to him being on the run for like 16 years. Also, the GAO noted that the FBI failed to provide guidance on how agents are supposed to communicate with confidential sources. The IG said that since there's no training for how best to communicate, like whether to use government phones or just use email or whatever, there's a greater risk that investigations could be compromised. The IG described it all as, quote, ineffective management and oversight of sources that places FBI agents, sources, subjects of investigations, and the public in, quote, harm's way. These sources have gotten paid, though. Between 2012 and 2018, the FBI spent, on average, every year, $42 million paying confidential human sources. Get that money. The IG, the IG made 16 recommendations to the FBI to improve management of the program. $42 million. Going to snitches. It's, it's, a, it's a parallel fucking secret police force. Yep. The House Financial Services Committee held a hearing today on the private equity industry. Financial firms that buy up companies by loading them with debt, often stripping them of assets and taking them into bankruptcy while investors reap windfall. That's what happened recently to the now-defunct toy retailer, Toys R Us, RIP but with the backwards R. On a more serious note, that's also what happened to Hahnemann Hospital in Philadelphia. 
the low-income medical facility. We noted that story in a previous interview with journalist Ted Kelly. The committee discussed private equity today because Democrats have proposed legislation to rein in the industry. Numerous dim lawmakers, including Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, back a bill called the Stop Wall Street Looting Act. The legislation would pare back protection from liability that private equity firms currently enjoy. Naturally, Republicans called industry representatives to testify today. GOP witnesses included Drew Maloney, president and CEO of the American Investment Council. The group recently put out research that just so happened to find that their industry is actually good and beneficial to everyone. Warren and Sanders and other Dems took note of this report this morning. They said it included incredibly shoddy claims about the median wage of workers employed by private equity. AIC claimed that average was at $71,000 per year, but didn't include any industry breakdown, thereby obscuring the actual impact or the approximate impact of private equity ownership on wages. The median number that they did list, however, included, quote, highly paid corporate executives, those employed by the private equity firms themselves, and that included two top executives at the firm KKR, who each made $56.5 million last year. Their salaries were included in the $71,000 per year median number. In their report, AIC also claimed private equity generated, quote, $1.1 trillion of value added. They're not clear how they got that number, just that it came from the spending habits of private equity dipshits, plus the activity of, quote, suppliers to the U.S. private equity sector. In other words, it sounds more like value extracted, not value added. And AIC just hoped that no one would notice the difference. There were other problems with the study, too. Claims about the supposed tax benefits of private equity. Warren, Sanders, and other dim lawmakers noted how corporate interests tend to fund research in order to do underhanded lobbying. They noted the AIC paper on private equity appeared to be, quote, a picture-perfect example of such sham study. This touched a nerve with at least one Republican, Ted Budd from North Carolina. Budd tried to imply there was a credibility issue with a witness called by Democrats. Eileen Applebaum, co-director of the Center for Economic and Policy Research, here is a snippet of how that went. Can you tell us, committee, how your research on private equity was funded? Yes, this is a very good question because I spent four years, Rosebat and I spent four years on a $25,000 grant from the Russell Sage Foundation. It was a labor of love. When we got into it, we, just, we, we started out by saying, hey, we, we do a lot with labor. Teachers of labor economics don't understand what's going on. We should write something for them. And we had in mind a small pamphlet. And then as we got into it, we discovered it's a very uh, complex subject and very interesting subject. And so we spent four years learning about it, writing about it, and producing a book that uh, was a finalist for a, a very prestigious award from the Academy of Management. I think if you read the book, you'll find it's very balanced. I mean, 25 Ks over four years, that's, that's, uh, that's definitely a labor of love. So it was maybe... a labor of love. <laughs> Bud also asked if Applebaum coordinated with Elizabeth Warren's office. Applebaum said that Warren staffer simply read her book and called. Before this, Bud complained that Sanders and Warren uh, had a problem with the AIC study because it came from a third party, not because it was had the very strong appearance of paid-for research that 
came to a conclusion that the uh, underwriters wanted for their own industry purposes. And for the record, by the way, Ernst & Young, the big accounting giant, uh, the corporate consulting slash accounting giant, is the one that uh, wrote the report for AIC. Anyway, but it just... It seems that he either doesn't understand what a conflict of interest is, or he's just pretending. But either way, it's shitty. It's terribly shitty. It's dangerous. And that is the capitalist mindset, baby. I saw you tweet that AOC brought up Splinter and Deadspin during the hearing. Yeah, that's right. Uh, She was talking about how uh, some of the Republicans defending private equity were saying that private equity has great rate of returns on investment. And she was saying, well, who gives a shit about that when they are destroying companies and ripping them to shreds? And first she brought up Toys R Us. And she also said it has impact on media too and brought up Deadspin and uh, and Splinter. And Sports Illustrated. Rest in peace, Splinter, Deadspin. Yeah, big time. Finally, the Government Accountability Office issued a warning this week that nearly 1,000 environmental cleanup sites in the U.S. are at risk of spilling their contaminants due to climate change disasters. Is that good? (laughs) The Watchdog Agency examined the more than 1,500 Superfund locations around the country to determine if they are located in areas that are more prone to flooding and fires. Superfund sites refer to major environmental messes that have been designated by the EPA for long-term cleanup at costs that often exceed hundreds of millions of dollars. But climate change has now put many of those cleanups at risk, and GAO warned that the EPA isn't planning enough for potential disasters. Turns out roughly 60% of Superfund sites are located in danger areas. That's 945 sites out of more than 1,500 in total. They're at risk, meaning there's a 0.2% or higher annual chance of flooding or other flood hazards, storm surge from a Category 4 or 5 hurricanes, high and very high wildfire hazard potential, and sea level rise of up to 3 feet. Already, Superfund sites have been affected by natural disasters. During Hurricane Harvey in 2017, floodwaters breached the Superfund site at the San Jacinta River Waste Pits in Texas. Studies later found a high concentration of dioxins at the site. The GAO broke down the future risks, noting that 783 Superfund sites are at risk of flooding, 187 at risk of storm surge from a Category 4 or 5 hurricane that includes a 545-acre former cyanide plant in New Jersey, Uh, There are at least 245 sites in danger of wildfires, another 110 sites that could be affected by rising sea levels. The EPA provided a number of reasons to GAO as to why they can't manage the risks to these Superfund sites. They include funding and staff shortages and a lack of technical expertise. And on that, we are concluding the newscast for today. Here's a reminder. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel, five bucks a month. You can help support our news co-op. You get access to all the bonus content we put out. Plus, you get your own haiku written for you and read on the air. And we're going to read a few right now for some of our newest subscribers. This one goes out to Alexis. Please reconsider. I plead with the coup plotters. My name's Liz Warren. Thank you, Alexis. This is for Daniel. Animal what ifs. 
tree dogs, desert porpoises, an ocean donkey. Thank you, Daniel. Finally, this is for Simia. Mitch McConnell voice. Mmm. Big structural baileys. Them big structurals. Thank you, Simia. Yes, thank you, Simia. And thank you to all the new subscribers over at Patreon. Patreon.com slash District Sentinel. Call the rant line 202-684-6108. Leave a message. We will play it on air. We're back tomorrow. We're here in D.C. So you don't have to be.